Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Player Profiler Posse, we are back for First Mover Week 16 edition. Now, this is a very interesting week. We've got games on Thursday. We've got games on Saturday. That leaves us with only a nine-game main slate for the Week 16 main slate. But some very interesting dynamics to the slate. We've got the game of the week, the Dolphins and the Cowboys. But when we get to this part of the season, we start to see a little bit of desperation factor become uh, or start to come into play because the playoff picture is starting to take shape. Teams are playing for their seasons for a playoff spot. So we'll talk about how that will impact some of the games for this slate. But with that, you know the deal. I am Hilo and this is First Mover. So let's jump right in. Let's take a look at this slate. I'll bring up the macro here on the screen. Let's take a look here. We've got the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. We expect, based on things, how things went on Monday night, for Geno Smith to be back for Seattle. Low, modest, however you want to look at it, game total of 41 and a half. We have a nice NFC North showdown between the Lions and the Vikings, a game total of 47. Point zero, And then the big picture of this game is these are very uh, two teams that are on very different trajectories. The Vikings, one of they were heading into week 15. Now they are one of the top three top defenses as far as scoring per game goes since about week six. So the Vikings are very clearly trying to win games uh, leveraged off their defense. We know that they're on their uh, fourth quarterback of the season. We know that not uh, the injury bug has not been kind to the Vikings. That said, we expect Nick Mullins to be under center. We expect Justin Jefferson to be healthy, TJ Hawkinson to be healthy, Jordan Addison to be healthy, and some questions still remain in the backfield with Alexander Madison. But we saw Ty Chandler do just fine for us in the backfield, uh, with the backfield largely to himself last week. The other side of that game, the Detroit Lions are a team that is kind of been forced to score more points than their opponent. We know that sounds weird, but they, they are, their defense has not been playing well. We look at the lines over their past seven games, lots of points being scored. So two very different team dynamics going on. Uh, but that nice solid game total 47 points. We got the Browns and now their pass heavy ways against the Houston Texans game total of 42 and a half. CJ Stroud still working his way through concussion protocol. And it looks like, his his status is in doubt for this week. 
I mean, he did not manage a single practice last week. So what that means is this dude is still experiencing headaches because you are not allowed. Step one of the NFL's concussion protocol is absence of headaches. Once he once those headaches go away, he can enter steps two and three, which is get in a limited practice. Step four is a full practice. Now he is cleared for contact. He's going to shed the red no contact jersey. And then step five is he must clear a an independent independent um, neurological exam, uh, which they compare your results of that test to a baseline exam that all players had taken prior to the start of the season. That test, that tests cognitive function. It tests things like memory and stuff that we would expect to be affected by a concussion. So the fact that he did not practice at all, to me, says that he still has headaches. And that's an issue going into week two. That is also why we've seen some of these players that are concussed this year miss multiple weeks because their headaches have persisted. So whether or not CJ Stroud returns, we don't know. Whether or not Nico Collins returns, we don't know. But the Cleveland Browns now with Joe Flacco under center uh, are a pass-heavy team, which is beautiful. We love it. We love to see it. Uh, but that game total of 42 and a half. We've got the Indianapolis Colts that we know they breed solid game environments going to the Atlanta Falcons and a team we know is the exact opposite, the antithesis of breeding solid game environments with still a solid game total of 44.0. The Commanders taking on the New York Jets, 37 and a half. There's enough to talk about that one. We could spend the next half hour. We're not going to do that here. The Packers in their trying to tread water, uh, losing two games in a row. You can see the background. I am Packers fan. Uh, anyway, two winnable games. They dropped both of them. They now need to win out and get some help to make the playoffs. Desperation factor against the now three-win Carolina Panthers. Two-win. I don't remember. Anyway, we digress. They won last week. The Jaguars taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two relatively pass funnel defenses, a solid game total of 43.0, and the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Chicago take on the Bears, 44 and a half. What's interesting about this game is these are two teams that are very clearly out of the playoff picture, but they have proven that they are not just going to roll over and die. So that's very interesting as far as the dynamics of that game goes. And then finally, the game of the week. Solid game total, 51.5. The Dallas Cowboys traveling to the Miami Dolphins um, with a nice, close spread of one and a half points. This one's very interesting to me as well. Miami Dolphins have obviously been struggling through the injury bug as well. And the Dallas Cowboys have once again proven that they are one of the top teams in the league when playing at home. They are on the road. They put up a massive stinker against the Buffalo Bills last week on the road. So we'll see whether there's some stuff to dive into there as well. So that is kind of the lay of the land. And as always, we are going to do our best to keep this one short. Going to keep it under 30 minutes to give you some digestible info for the slate in as quickly a time as possible. It is the holiday season. Happy holidays to everybody. Before we jump into the rest of the slate, we'll quickly hear from the Podfather about the DFS Dominator. DFS getting harder every year, but we're here to make it easier with the DFS Dominator because I know a lot of optimizers keep coming out. Oh, our optimizer. What about this optimizer? But that optimizer. Well, we have a cash game optimizer that leverages the projections from Dario, Billy, 
the award-winning projections at playerprofiler.com and builds the best lineups for cash games that have both upside and stability because that's what you want. It's a couple clicks, boom, boom, boom. You get the best possible lineup for your cash games. But for tournaments, traditional optimizers don't work. That's why we have a lineup genius, which takes you through the process of building lineups the way they should be built. Which quarterbacks do you want to be overweight on? Then building stacks, then setting runbacks, then optimizing and generating up to 150 lineups that you can easily import into DraftKings, into FanDuel. That's the DFS Dominator. It's only $45 a year, not not a week, a, a year, a year. Just go to Player Profiler, click on the DFS Dominator from the menu, and you won't be sorry. And we're back. Thank you, Podfather, for that message. If you haven't checked out the DFS Dominator just yet, highly recommend going to do so. Let's look at this slate, shall we? I'm going to bring up uh, the DraftKings lobby view here. Let's see. Here we go. Here we go. All right. We are back, baby. So we mentioned some games that mean a little bit more to other teams. I mean, we're looking at this Washington Commanders and New York Jets. This game means nothing to either team. And then we have games like, obviously, Dallas-Miami carries a lot of weight. We have games like Arizona and Chicago that mean absolutely nothing to these two teams other than seeding for the top overall pick, which the Chicago Bears are very happy about. Um, Arizona Cardinals currently hold the third pick and could, with a loss, move up to the old number uno. So there's a very interesting dynamic that comes into uh, DFS at this time of season. What effectively happens is with this additional desperation factor, these teams playing for their season, their playoff lives, that kind of widens the potential game environment. It widens the range of outcome to the positive. It gives you additional upside if these teams are going to go out and are forced to play catch up. They're likely to do so much earlier. It also, in very unique instances, can widen the range of outcomes to the downside teams that are looking to go and win dirty. So teams like the Tennessee Titans. Teams like uh, the Atlanta Falcons, these teams that are still in the playoff hunt, but we know are going to try and win dirty. Another example is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're not on the slate, but they are teams that want to take the game into the fourth quarter, win dirty. That actually adds to the widening of a range of outcomes to the downside, where a team, if they're able to control um, or if they're not being pushed, it's that much more likely that we see a more muted game environment. So let's quickly talk about what we get from this slate with the Colts and the Falcons, we have competing ideologies and methodologies of how they're trying to win games. The Colts with Shane Steichen are one of the more forward leaning and quick to adapt teams in the league. What that means is Shane Steichen will look at what's working over the first drive, two drives, three drives and adjust fairly quickly for the rest of the game. On the other side of that, <laughs> The exact opposite, an Atlanta Falcons team that we know has been top two in rush rate over expectation each of the last two seasons, and they just want to win dirty. They're going to try and take it the distance and win in the fourth quarter. Even in these matchups that look so good on paper for the Falcons run game, 
it has become very evident that we cannot count on Mr. B. John Robinson to lead the way. Oh my God. Them giving the backfield split that they did last week was atrocious. Look at this. Tyler Aljair, 14 carries in a 9-7 to game. A game that played close throughout. Dear Lord, look at what Bijan got here. Seven carries, three targets. My dear Lord. But that does not mean that Bijan does not carry upside in the spot against a very winnable matchup on the ground against the Colts. Just very interesting to note within the broader spectrum of that game. The Green Bay Packers are a team that is in desperation mode, but they are a team that looks to win dirty. They are not going to be going out and throwing the ball around the yard um, against a Carolina Panthers team that is one of the quietly better pass defenses in the league, and that is purely based off their high rate of zone coverage, which allows them to force an opponent to march the field, very similar to how the Green Bay Packers under Joe Barry are run. They want to force an opponent to march the field. The issue is the Packers, they are forcing teams to march the field. They're just allowing teams to march the field. They're not generating the disruption, the turnovers, the sacks, um, the third and long stops that we should expect. Joe Barry does not tailor his defensive game plan for a situation very well. We saw it last week against the, um, oh God, who the hell do they play? Uh, the Buccaneers where they're just playing soft coverage in cover three on third and long and just allowing the first down to be picked up. Like they com like Baker Mayfield completed like three, I think third and 10 plus plays uh, in the second half that completely sunk the Packers. So while these teams function very similarly on defense, the Carolina Panthers are actually able to stop teams in the red zone, to generate disruptive plays on drives, and that's led to them allowing a little bit fewer points per game. But both these defenses more or less run funnel. We get A.J. Dillon, who was questionable here. We get Aaron Jones, who kind of was the guy uh, last week, but still only saw 17 running back opportunities. Not a ton of upside from this game environment, whereas the previous game we discussed in the Colts and the Falcons was much more wide range of outcomes. Packers and uh, Panthers... Muted game environment with a more constricted range of outcomes means less upside from the players in that game. We look at Cleveland and Houston continuing this discussion. We're just going to talk about these games um, as opposed to talking about individual plays because I think that is much more beneficial. Talking about the Cleveland Browns under Joe Flacco, they are now in the top 10 in pass rate over expectation and situation neutral pass rate with Joe Flacco under center over the last three games. That is very interesting because the Houston Texans have a head coach or and or sorry, an offensive coordinator in Bobby Slowick, who is one of the more dynamic offensive play callers in the league. Same thing when we talked about Shane Steichen, except we know that Bobby Slowick is um, of the Gary Kubiak um, Shanahan tree. So that is very interesting to me because the Cleveland Browns play a ton of man coverage, and they have a ton of injuries on their defense. So this could be a spot where if Houston is controlling the game environment to start, or sorry, if Cleveland is controlling the game environment to start, we know they're already pass heavy team. This could force Bobby Slowick into increased rates of passing because the Houston Texans are still in the thick of the AFC playoff picture. So this desperation 
the desperation factor in this one kind of plays to the upside, which is very, very interesting. We also know that Amari Cooper, David Njoku are going to be the primary pass catchers for Hugh, or for Cleveland. And on the Houston Texans side, we are waiting news on Nico Collins. We are awaiting news uh, on CJ Stroud. But we know that Noah Brown and Nico Collins are the two primary pass catchers in this offense. Upside through concentration there as well. Both are very, very interesting. Detroit and Minnesota. Very similar to the game that we talked about um, with the Colts and the Falcons. Minnesota is a team that is winning with their defense right now. They're on their fourth starting quarterback. Nick Mullins was announced as uh, the expected starter for this week. But they do have the firepower on offense to keep up. The Lions, on the other hand, their defense has been slipping throughout the second half of the season, and they are forced to go out and win games. They cannot let the game come to them because their defense is getting stomped, so they are forced to go out and try and be aggressive and win games. That does not mean that they are just passing the football around the yard because this is still a team with inflated rush rates. This is still a team that leads the league in rush rate in the red zone and the green zone. So we expect them to uh, continue to lean on their run game. The difference here is the Minnesota Vikings have been performing very well against the run, so we can expect additional uh, opportunities to be driven towards the air. So that kind of increases the range of outcomes of this game, widens it on both sides. If the Vikings are able to control the tempo and the flow of this game, it is likely to mute the overall production. If the on the flip side of that, if the Lions are able to control the game, mutes the overall expectations because the Vikings are less um, equipped to handle a game environment like that. What we're looking for is if these two teams are trading blows, that is where the upside comes from. So a full game stack or correlated mini of a player from each of these teams, extremely viable and carries a ton of upside. Washington and the Jets. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers has said he can come back. I don't know why a 40-year-old quarterback would come back after a um, shortened, um, trying to come back from a torn Achilles. I don't know why that would happen. Rehab, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Um, I don't know why the hell they would do that. We also have um, Zach Wilson, who was concussed. Uh, he was concussed, and then he wasn't concussed. The team denied it, and then he entered the concussion protocol. That whole situation was flubbed from the Jets last week. But we have a head coach in Robert Sala who has said that Zach Wilson is his starter if he is healthy. So situation to monitor. Any one of three quarterbacks could theoretically be starting for the Jets this week. We have no idea, which is somewhat important because the Washington commanders continued to get absolutely shredded through the air. Defensive tendencies. Let's talk that real quick. We know that Washington fired their defensive coordinator two weeks ago. And in those two weeks with now a head coach calling defensive plays, they shifted from top five rates of man coverage to almost every defensive snap coming from zone, primarily through cover three. So what does that mean from a, how do you attack them perspective? Less likely to give up those chunk splash plays, more likely to force teams to march the field. However, likely to give up sustained drives and PPR production through the air because they do not have the bodies uh, on defense to, to match up. So that plays into guys like 
um, Garrett Wilson that plays into guys like Brees Hall through the air, where we know his pass game usage can be robust. Three games in a row before last week, nine targets, eight targets, nine targets. So extremely interesting in this spot. Looking at Seattle and Tennessee, two teams that we know would prefer to win games dirty. So the overall game environment from this spot is relatively muted. The only spot where I see that changing is if Tennessee is able to control the game on the ground, Derrick Henry actually gets going, became the last week the lowest yardage output for a player to see 20 touches in NFL history. That is not good. That said, Derrick Henry has very clear path to um, offensive success here against Seattle defense that plays a ton of zone, plays a ton of cover two and a ton of cover three, more prevent style. That also leads to fewer men in the box. Very interesting in this spot because Derrick Henry sees a high number of players per rush in the box. So how does Seattle um, kind of attempt to combat that? We don't know. But the path to upside here is if Tennessee controls the game and Seattle is forced to open things up because they have actually, under Shane Waldron, proven that they will open things up through the air, whereas Tennessee much less likely to do so. Moving on to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tampa Bay Bucks. This is a very interesting game because both of these defenses are pass funnel defenses. I mean, you see the DVOA numbers agree with the fantasy points allowed here. Um, much, much more forgiving through the air. Mike Evans and well, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is an offense that is extremely concentrated now amongst two primary players. Yes, Chris Godwin had. Um, two games of double-digit targets in a row, but we know his upside is rather muted on a per-target basis. Yes, he, he got there against Green Bay. Uh, extreme prevent-style defense that plays into the areas of the field that Chris Godwin operates. Also a defense that gives up extreme rates of yards after the catch. The exact opposite of the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. They are fast they filter production to the perimeter. So this screams like a Mike Evans game to me. Mike Evans continues to score, scored his 11th touchdown last season. Only his, what, 12th season in a row of 1,000 yards. I don't know. I think it's 11 or 12. I don't know the exact number. But we digress. On the flip side of that, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, and Jamal Agnew made an appearance last week. This is another matchup that favors the perimeter type wide receiver. So Calvin Ridley um, jumps off the page here uh, for this matchup and Evan Ingram against a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that blitzes a ton, but does not generate pressure and plays almost exclusively cover one and cover three behind. All of that comes together. Evan Ingram is in a great spot after that dud last week, after his two-touchdown game the week before. Continuing this discussion, Arizona and Chicago. This game has probably the widest range of outcomes of any game on the slate. We could see, because these offenses are not great, we could see these teams just absolutely struggle and play to a 9-7 to type game like we saw the Panthers and the Falcons play to last week. On the other side, these defenses are not great. The Chicago Bears, though, have been top five against the run. They've been top eight against the pass since week six. So this is a team, the defense, that is playing pretty well. 
primary expectation for targets to flow are through Trey McBride. He's putting up some solid, solid numbers, only lacking. The only complaint we can make is he is not finding the end zone at a great frequency. But this is a guy who is basically the pass offense for this Cardinals team. Uh, so Trey McBride in a great spot. All of Justin Fields and DJ Moore and Cole Komet can all be trusted here. You can play any of them together. What we expect, though, DJ Moore has been most um, most elite, we'll say it like that, against man coverage this season. He has been okay. I mean, we're talking over 33% targets per route run, over 30% target rate against man coverage, and like 70% of his receiving yards have come against man coverage this season. Absolutely elite. Against zone, he's more muted. Sub 25% targets per route run rate, sub 25% team target market share. That should theoretically filter production to Cole Komet. However, the Cardinals, in their defensive scheme, they play a shallow to high defensive scheme, which basically clogs the middle of the field. So less upside for Cole Komet. And that's why I said this. We could see a muted game environment here from these two teams. Now to the game of the week. And this will be the last thing we talk about before we get out of here. The Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins. If you look at this Dallas Cowboys team, they score almost 10 points more per game at home than they do on the road. This Miami Dolphins offense, is Tyreek Hill going to be healthy? Are we going to see Devon A. Chain finally get more involved with uh, another week beyond his injury scare two weeks ago? There's just a lot of unknowns regarding this game environment. But that said, very clearly, this game carries the most upside, pure upside of any game on the slate. We have two offenses that can go toe-to-toe. We have two defenses that we know can suppress production, but we know can also give it up. So without like diving into the X's and O's in this spot, talking about defensive coverages and all that stuff, we have to have the understanding that this game very clearly carries some significant upside. The other issue is if you're looking to stack this one up, these pieces are expensive. Monster, a chain, both above 7K. Tony Pollard, 6,700. The quarterbacks, 7,900, 7,800. Tyreek Hill, 9,600. CeeDee Lamb, 9,200. Jalen Waddell even is up there now at 7,800. It's very difficult to overall game stack this spot. So is this a spot where we try and pick onesie twosies? Is this a spot where we avoid and hope that it flops on its face? Very, very interesting theoretical discussions to be had from this spot that I don't really know that we have the full answers to just yet. It's going to come down to ownership. It's going to come down to some things like, hey, can we get uh, Brandon Cooks uh, at reduced price and reduced ownership? Can we get Jake Ferguson at reduced price, reduced ownership? Or are we only primarily considered <laughs> considering these top dogs here? Very, very interesting dynamic to the slate. I feel like the field is just going to see that this game has the highest game total on the slate and look to force in Tyreek Hill, CeeDee Lamb types. But there are very, very interesting dynamics to this one in the overall um, umbrella of the slate as a whole because the two highest priced players on this entire slate right there, Tyreek Hill and CeeDee Lamb from this game environment. So, that is going to do it. We promise to keep it below a half hour. Hopefully that gives you a good head start to your DFS production for week 16. Very, very interesting slate. 
what I want to leave you with is remember that some of these game environments carry wider range of outcomes than some of the others because of that desperation factor. So build those lineups smartly and we will see you at the end of the week. Peace. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.